Hello, thank you for tuning in to Digital Digital Get Down. This is episode 72, and we are currently recording this in the middle of a snowstorm. What? And no, this is not pre-recorded from months mm. ago. It is April fucking 10th. Springtime. Well into springtime, like weeks into springtime. And there's just no storm. Yep. There was a snowstorm the same time last year, if you're a long-time listener. Still snuck up on us. Still snuck up on us. Still sucks. Like, Minnesotans surprised by April snow for a thousandth year in a row, probably. But it was just so nice out. We put all of our winter stuff away. For like a day and a half. We, like, tempted the gods. We put all of our winter stuff away and just enjoyed the springtime. And here we are. Okay, we've been off for a little while, so... I think we have to do, like, lightning round updates and newses. Okay. I think I can do that. Should we alternate? I have a question to start off with. I saw Please this. Please do. I saw this on um, a very strange, one of those internet videos where they, like, try and make celebrities seem interesting. You so know? the worst. Is it one of the ones when they have them type their name into Google and they're like, ha, 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 ha. Almost as bad. Mm. This one was, like what's the last picture on your phone and who's the last person you texted and stuff. Sure. Um, but this question intrigued me. I'm going to let you go first. How many alarms do you have set on your phone? Oh. Like how many like alarms yeah, I, are I in know, there? I understand the question. Um, one. I what, know how many what you is, have. What do you think? What's your over-under? Over-under is like 21, I would say. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, It's nonsensical. 20, 21, 22, it's an alarm clock. You really only need one or two back. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, that must have been a baking 74, one. 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84. Wow. Spanning from 11.58 p.m. to 12 a.m. You pretty much covered it <laughs> so all pretty then. much covered it all. The only gap was between 12 a.m. and 3.16 a.m. I would say the clock app is like the application that I use the least, but the one that brings me the most comfort just knowing it's comfort. there yeah just knowing it's there if so i really worse. need an alarm or a stopwatch like who honestly uses a stopwatch anymore i do at school for stuff that's special yeah um i just like it because it has the world clock yeah which once you learn a time call. zone it, it becomes but australia is like a critical. hard one to, to true. do the mental math for wow that was fun that so there's two types really of people fun. one alarm or 84 Every five minutes. Sometimes every four minutes. Um, I have some TV show updates of what we've been watching. Sure. Well, we just started watching what we've just been watching. Give it to the people. When this is it? it? Oh. oh, we're at different parts of the song. Yeah. Sorry. That was like a round, but not a really well done one. You yep. can go, babe. Uh, one day at a time. Yeah. Um, we started watching that. I was not like 
it was fine the first couple episodes. I loved it right we, away. I know you loved it right away. Some, like, your sense of humor is a little bit different than mine. You've been judging me on the couch the whole time. Every time I laugh out loud. I just, uh, I know that Rita Morena is, like, a national treasure. But, oh like, gosh, I find her a little bit amazing. over the top for me. Oh, no. It's uh, perfect. But you love everything that comes out of her mouth. Yeah. See. Um, see, papito. I like Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah. Huh? The little yeah. brother. Mm-hmm. I like the little brother characters. Yeah. Things like Augie. From Girl Meets World. Sure. Um, but this last episode was excellent. <laughs> excellent. It was like... Funny, on po- topic. Yeah, on topic without being super like after school special preachy. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who's seen the show, it's the one where um, everyone lies to everyone basically. Like Abuelita lies about going to church because she's going on a non-date date with the doctor from... The mom says she is going on a date, but, but she's, she's actually, actually going, going to, to therapy. therapy. And then the daughter says that she's just watching Buffy, but she actually invites a boy over. And then everyone, like, calls each other out on their lies. It's like, you, you, you. Anyway. But we're not talking about that show on no, this episode. No, not yet. <laughs> um, personally, yeah. I've also been pretty busy watching TV shows because I have spring break. Correct. Why are you giving me a face? So you only you only watch this show on small screens, which I have not figured out why. Um, and I know a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. I am a little bit of a completionist, and then if I start watching it on one medium, that's weird. I just kind of want to keep watching it on that medium. Like part of craving the show is craving the way that I was watching it. Yeah, I think I get that. Like how if you like if there's a book that you love that you read in paper form, like you won't get the same feeling as like reading it on Kindle. Okay, I believe you. Something like that? Maybe. I don't know. Um, also, it's just a show that I watch by myself. So there's been a couple times when you're watching like a sports game or something. and I Fine. Um, you didn't want to watch it. You haven't said the title yet. Oh. <laughs> Shit's Creek. Um, I have gone back and forth about this one. At first, I when it first came out like a couple of years ago, I was like, I had no interest in that. And then lately I've seen a lot of buzz about it, including from Rainbow Rowell, who I trust her opinions on things. And she was the one who was like, the first two seasons are just okay, but like, give it a chance. And I hate when people say that. I hate when people say that. But I said the same thing about Parks and Rec. Like, when I'm trying to convince someone to watch Parks and Rec, mm. I'm like, you gotta push through season one, there was a writer's strike, season two's better, and then it gets great. You know, I do this, I'm such a hypocrite. I hate when people, and like, Louis C.K., get the fuck off the screen. Oh, screen. man. They gotta edit him out of these Seriously. syndication. Um, so... I would agree with that. The end of the finale of season two was really good. Season three was better. And the way that season three ended was just lovely. So I'm very excited to watch season four. It's Um, basically a a remake of Arrested Development, though. Uh, Yeah. Rich family loses everything. Hilarity ensues. But it is a very different type of humor from Arrested Development. Okay. Arrested Development tried to be, like, really, like, clever and wry. And this is the opposite of that. This is pretty lowbrow. Okay. Um... There's Gosh, a lot of like. I guess we just have there's different a lot of, like, of humor. Physical comedy, and there's uh-huh. a lot of like fish out of water kind of comedy, and um, I guess there's some similarities with um, what's her face, the mom. That's the one when I I've only heard you watch this show from afar, and I always think, oh, that's Lucille from Rust Development. Yeah, I think there is some similarities with Lucille, um, and the the mom, Catherine O'Hara, on the show. Yeah, but um. I don't, I don't, I don't think the, I see what you're saying, but I don't think the tone is that much the same. It's just my hot take. It's also 
just, it's easy to watch really fast because there's 20 minute episodes. I feel like a lot of the shows I was watching on my own for a while that I'm like struggling to get back into are very long shows. So mm -hmm. especially if I'm supposed to be doing schoolwork or just trying to take a break from something, I don't want to go watch a 45 minute show. Yeah. Whereas this is like 20 minutes. So I can watch like one and then go get some work done and watch another one, which is what I did a lot over spring break. Or I can like take an hour and watch three. Yeah. And that's like a quarter of the season. So. Any other TV stuff? Uh, yeah, the other one I started to watch because my students made me was On My Block, which mm -hmm. is a Netflix show. Um, I called it the uh, kids version of The Wire to you. <laughs> yeah. Which you made that reaction to it. Uh-huh. But it's like about um, kids going into high school in some part of LA and... There's a whole, like, gang life neighborhood struggle going on. Like, one of their best friends, his family's in a gang, and he thinks he can kind of avoid it, but then his brother gets out of prison, and he gets pulled into, like, the gang life. And it kind of breaks up their crew, and then the crew gets back together and tries to figure out how to, like, save him from that life. And there's a lot of drama. But All I'm right. liking it so far. It's, like, the YA version of The Wire, which is right up. Multiple right seasons, or is it just one? Um, I think there's two seasons. Because all the kids were like, you have to get to season two. And I was like, girl, Gosh, I even they're episodes. saying that? Just push through season one. Just no, 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 through. no. It wasn't pushed through season one. They were just like, <laughs> season two came out more recently. So they sure. were, like, excited to talk about season two. And I'm, like, a whole season behind. So. Okay. So I've only watched a couple episodes of that. It's like a, a half an hour, which is a very strange length of a show in this day and age. You, I, I always get so caught up on book length. You get so caught up on TV show length. I just, like, I expect a, like, I expect a TV show to either be like 21 and a half minutes or like 44 and a half You're minutes. You're a millennial. We get it. I just, I'm not, I'm still not used to like Netflix shows. Same thing when it's like a full hour show. Like when I watched like Orange is the New Black, it's like, that's like a full fucking hour. That's a, like more than half a movie in a lot of cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, you feel it. It feels that much longer than a 44 minute show. Anyway. Okay. You ready for some random stuff? Sure, babe. Are they newses or just random updates? Uh, mixture. <laughs> it's not mixture. We've gotten so loosey goosey. Yeah, this is a fluid podcast. Fluid podcast. We fluid mentioned podcast. your birthday last time, mm -hmm. but uh, we hadn't gone to the cat cafe yet, so I wrote down that. How was your first experience in a cafe built for cats? It was medium. Yeah, I there was too many people there. Like the next time you I went on a private booking, not private, but like there was like very loud children that I felt bad getting in the way of, and like some annoying other people, and it was like a small space for how many people they shoved into it, I thought. Big enough space for the cats. I wanted it to be... And there wasn't anywhere to sit and drink your, cof your coffee, which I thought was... There was a cafe. It should be like cat comma cafe. Oh, it was perfect for me because there was a nice, <laughs> beautiful cafe. And then they said, would you like to give us money and go into this locked space with all these feral cats? And you didn't have to go behind the glass wall. You could have stayed outside. It's See, lovely. I have the opposite opinion that I was like, oh, I'll get a tea and I'll just sit and like the cat. That's how I pictured it, yeah. And like it was a little bit more like get your coffee. Oh, and then just put it down. Go into the cat so room. So the cats will just drink the water that you leave on the table. Yeah. But like there weren't, I was kind of hoping for more of like a sit and chat and there'd be cute cats and not like run around and try and make cats love you. Yeah. Also, I would definitely go a little bit earlier the next time because it seemed like a lot of the cats were like a little bit tapped out with mm. uh, socializing. Like they were, I understand that they, that they need high places to hide or get away from people so the little kid can't poke them. But I felt like by the time we went closer to lunchtime, all the cats were like 
don't fucking touch me. Gosh, scathing review. No, there were some really cute cats. I fell in love with a couple of the cats and wanted to take them home and got to pat a lot of cats. So that was, that part was nice. Your birthday week then ended at the symphony. Oh, yeah. Give us your review of that. Um. Tell the people what it was. We went to see Star Trek Into Darkness live. Well, how do you call it? Like the live music. I kept waiting for someone to come out and do the voices. No one did the voices. Yeah, I. your comment was that the audio was not like mixed very well or whatever you want to call it because the the music was very good and live and loud, but then they actually had to like subtitle the movie because like you couldn't hear the lines of the movie very well. Yeah, and the bigger thing for me is that the orchestra is playing the score, right? Mm-hmm. But in a sci-fi film you have a lot of like pew pew pews and that kind of stuff and the special effect sounds need to be mixed well with the score my bigger problem was i don't know if it was just because we got cheap kind of last minute seats or what but i didn't like like my view of the screen very much Hmm. the other was so i went to see the first star trek with jen friend of the show frequent guest of the show um in australia and we had shitty seats they were like in the very back um, and I still felt like we had a better view of the screen at that one. And whereas here, I had a good view of the orchestra, but the screen was like, I felt a bit squishy. Like I couldn't actually watch the movie that good. Con! <laughs> that movie's so bad. It's, it, ugh, it For the could first, be so good. The first 20 it minutes, so I did good. not remember it was a Lindelof production. And then <sighs> when I did, I just was just laughing to myself the rest of the time. It just had so much potential. There's just so much... So many good, like, uh, friend crew moments and Yeah, the best part is when they're coming to, out of the elevator and he goes, you and Spock are fighting? What is that even like? Yeah, like they have so many of those good little moments that feel authentic. And I'm like, yes, that feels like Star Trek. Like that, that Yes, because Star Trek was like a hokey TV show. Yes, but then... Not a J.J. Abrams experience. I know, but then they just ruin it with like the nonsensical motivations of Khan <laughs> and Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumber, whatever, Cumberbitch. overacting everything. Like, those are my like, people! Like, whatever you want to say about the acting of these, I think there's actually some pretty good acting from like Chris Pine and Zach Quinto and whoever like I think they're decent actors sure I don't they're not always given very much with like the script or the direction of this type of show because it's not meant to be like a indie drama it's meant to be like sci-fi and special effects but they're pretty good at some of the subtleties of acting like Spock is all about subtleties in his face you know the whole world knows that I think Chris Pine is a good actor we've heard yeah uh so then to have Ben to come back and they'd be like, they were my family, <laughs> single tear. Like, it just ruins it. It just, like, makes the mockery of everybody else's. And it's just so tightly plotted, except for all the Cumberbatch shit that makes no sense. Like, there's so many good allusions. Like, the beginning, they talk about the warp core and what would happen if something went wrong. They There's, like, they... There's a lot of hints to, like, the stuff with um, Pike yep. before he dies. There's, like, the... um the Spock and Kirk, like, why did you save me kind of thing that comes back in the end. Like, there's a lot of really good, like, parallels and foreshadowing and nods to this and that. And, but then you're like... It crumbles at all. Why? Like, it just, his motivations make no sense. So many people on Earth died, too. Gosh. Yes, I kind of forgot that, that at the end, like, all of San Francisco gets killed. (laughs) They saved Kirk, but San Francisco was leveled to the ground. Still, my favorite part of the movie was when <laughs> one person when Khan, Khan is running through the 
the destructive goes city. Out of his way. Goes out of his way to like clip this random civilian. Like and probably like shove him down, put him in a, into a wheelchair, and the guy was like, "Oh my god, thank god I survived like the worst day in." And then he was like, Ew! "Oh god, no, I'm completely paralyzed now." <laughs> oh man. Okay. So um, that gave me a lot of feelings, obviously, about Star Trek. We're also not talking about that on the podcast. <laughs> we are talking about a different movie that I have feelings about. Um, couple of random things. Mm-hmm. Burger King is gonna put the Impossible Burger, make an Impossible Whopper. Okay. Which How do we feel about isn't this? necessarily going to bring me back to, like, fast food, but I'm all for that becoming a thing. I just still don't understand why, like, the Impossible Burger is such a thing when we like our burger better. Yeah. Well, I'll have to try the Impossible Burger again, but we're beyond people. Mostly just because of the size, I think. Size matters here, people. The size is better, you reckon? Um, speaking of size, Rob Grunk... Rob Gronkowski retired. Yeah, shocked to no one. He's been hurt like 96% of his career. It is a little awkward though that Sir Tom Brady is still playing past him. Even Dustin Pedroia is out on the field for the last place Red Sox. He's he's trying. He's like out there basically on crutches, but he's trying. Um, We also missed Nathan Chen winning another world championship. We did? I feel so sort of guilty about ice skating. It's like... It's so hard to follow. It's really hard to follow. We just need a remote that we can go show me Nathan Chen. Uh, And like everyone was at this one, including Hanyu. So he he beat them all. Oh, he beat Han? He beat like... It was like the Olympics rematch? Yeah. Uh, and my last one, Apple had this weird, uh, announcement where they talked about all their Plus stuff, TV Plus, and Music Plus, and News Plus. Um, they still have yet to release an actual television show from, like, three years ago when they Mm. said they were gonna get into original content. Mm. It's just ridiculous. So those were not your newses, or they were Those were, that was the blend. (sighs) What do you have? Do you have official... Do you want bad newses or good newses first? Bad. Um... Do you want me to go in ascending or descending order? Yes. Okay, so uh, there is a Notre Dame, a mother of a Notre Dame student who says, who is begging female students to stop wearing leggings and says, please think of the Saw mothers the of sons. Didn't click it. She's basically saying that um, women on college campus needs to stop wearing leggings because they're tempting uh, the the boys to, like, assault them and that they should think of those boys' mothers and how sad they would be if their sons had to go through a rape trial. She said all that other part? It wasn't just stop wearing leggings because it's a distraction. It was actually in reference to you're baiting them for attack. I just want you to clarify because I saw the headline and I did not click it. The guy on Jeopardy right now is ridiculous. He doubles down on every daily double. Ridiculous. I don't have anything else to fill this gap. You are making me read this. The mother describes the pants as a problem that only girls can solve. And she claimed that the depiction of women in movies, video games, and music videos makes it harder for Catholic mothers to teach their sons that women's women are someone's daughters and sisters and should be treated with respect. 
That's putting and a she lot says that on pants. We don't go around naked because we respect that other people must see us. I'm fretting both because of the unsavory guys who are looking at you creepily and nice guys who are doing everything to avoid looking at you. Why did this lady become a national news story? Because she like posted a like op-ed kind of thing uh-huh. uh, about... She had a platform for this. Yeah, yes. Okay. And I understand that I am definitely editorializing with what I added. Got it. But yep. there's an, there's like the rape culture implication there. Rape culture. Gotcha. The implication that, well, if the girls would just wear more yep. appropriate clothing, then it wouldn't tempt the boys. Fair enough. Just didn't want you to misquote so her. There's that implication that I don't, that I don't, that most people find offensive. Yep. That like, and also that we should be thinking of the mothers of the sons. Like it's a couple, couple degrees of Kevin Bacon there. We just have our own personal safety. How about, those mothers of sons teach their sons to respect women no matter what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. How about we, that's what we think about those mothers. Um, Stephen Colbert, do you see the thing about him with Stacey Abrams? Uh-uh. So Stacey Abrams is a black uh, congressperson. I know that. And is she running for president? Presidential potential. Is that a rhetorical question? Presidential potential. I, I can't, I've lost track of who's running and who's thinking of running. Hats halfway whatever. in the ring. Yeah. But she is, she did the, um, State of the Union... Rebuttal. Rebuttal, thank you. Gotcha. This year. Um, gotcha. So he had... Stephen Colbert, Colbert had her on his show. Okay. And quite a misstep. I did not watch the clip, but I like read uh, through the transcript, transcript of it. Yeah. And some commentary on it. Uh, she apparently is like a romance novelist in her spare time. Nice. Uh, and he asked her if he could read part of her book out loud. And she said no. And he asked again. And she said... Thanks, but please don't. Like, I'm not ashamed of my writing, but please don't. Uh And he proceeded to read it anyway and read, like, a sex scene from one of her books and, like, made fun of it, basically, while Mm. she just, like, sat there uncomfortably because she had asked him not to read it. So there's a lot of things wrong there. Mm. Uh, Number one thing wrong is, like, consent matters, not just for sexual things. Like, if if someone is asking you, please don't, and you do it, like, I, I don't... I don't, it's hard to tell with talk shows and how much is pre-cleared ahead of time and how much isn't by agents and things like that. Yeah. But like, I don't think she has an agent. Do you? Uh, A publicist, maybe. Yeah, probably. But like, I don't see what it would benefit for her to be like, no, don't. And for him to do it anyway. Like, it kind of seemed like she was blindsided a little bit or like at the very least was misled about what they were going to read of hers. And um, also just like mocking a writer in any way like yeah it's bad form it's bad form and it's especially bad form when it's a romance author because like romance gets such a bad rap anyway just it's like a woman thing just because there's sex in it like it gets such a like very lowbrow like Mm -hmm. stigma reputation or stigma and especially right now with all this shit that's going down with the black romance community to then like be making fun of a black author of romance just like read the room steven I assume the internet took him down. Cancel, Read the room. Cancel Colbert. Read the room. He's made a few missteps, but this was hmm. this was just shady. And just also there's... I don't want to like make everything about race, but there's also like the dynamic of like a white man in a, pow- in a kind of power situation, like mocking a black woman mm-hmm. and ignoring what she's asking him not to do. There's I a lot of problems there. There's a lot of layers. Um, two more, increasingly worse. Okay. T-word. 
Yep. Saying that windmills cause the sound of windmills causes cancer. Did you see that? No. That the windmill sound causes cancer. Hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> it's hard enough as it is. I'm sorry for your earphones if you have headphones in, but it's hard enough as it is for people to like take global warming seriously and alternative energy seriously, and then to have them say that bullshit, which is like zero scientific basis behind that. Doesn't the sound of windmills causes cancer in humans? That doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. Let's stick people in the coal mines. That's much healthier for people to get energy. Yeah, yeah. Like all the air pollution from the coal is definitely not causing cancer, and all the like holes in the ozone are definitely not causing skin cancer. (laughs) Got the black lung pop. (laughs) Um, What's your worst news? My worst news is that in math, forty-four states. Wait, fifty states. In forty-four states in the U.S. out of fifty, it is allowable. Mm-hmm. To give non-consensual pelvic exams to women who are who are anesthetized. Huh. So if I were to go in for like a for routine, any, any surgery, this could have already happened to me. I don't know. Mm. If I was going in for like a routine surgery and I was, um, I was like under anesthesia, yeah. medical students could come in and give me a pelvic exam to see what the inside of a vagina feels like and to see where what a normal uterus should feel like. And basically to, like, use my body as, like, a, ca- a practice cadaver without uh-huh. my consent while I am unconscious. Wow. Only six states have banned non-consensual pelvic exams. That means 44 states, it is not illegal mm-hmm. to come and stick your fingers up my vagina while I'm asleep and don't know about it in, a med- in the care of a medical professional. Okay. Is that horrifying? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like one of those, whatever you call them, those laws from, like, the 1700 that people just go, ha, 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 no, no one actually I follows actually that. I actually read an article about this, and it was saying that med students do this. Not at every single hospital, but that it's, like, a not uncommon practice. So they, like, they put up like a, a schedule, and they're like, you'll probably get a pelvis around noon. Yeah. There'll be a free pelvis like in for, 2B. Like, for teaching hospitals, if they're, like, if that's what, you know, that they need to learn... They just are like, oh, when's the next female who's having surgery? You and gotta they just go ch- in You got to check a box for organ donation. You got to check a box right? for live pelvis. That's what most people were saying was like, we're not saying that it's bad for medical students to get practice. We're saying it's absolutely disgusting to be doing it on women without their consent. Like there needs to, like if you need to ask, like usually like you have to, they'll ask you if it's okay to have a med student come in. Sure. Like I've had that happen before. Um and I think my dad did it with one of his surgeries too. Like how it happens. Like, is it okay if a med student observes or sits in on our appointment today or something? Sure. If you ask for consent, fine. So if you want there to be a box that's like, this is a teaching hospital. Sometimes we have med students come in, like check a box, yes or no. Sure. But the fact that like. I went to a student dentist. That's bravery, folks. Like how, would, bravery. how would you feel if you went in for like a routine surgery? Like when yeah. I had my colonoscopy done or something. Yeah. And. You found out later that a med student just like stuck his fingers up your ass just to see what a prostate feels like. Mm-mm. It's horrifying. I'm not on board with that. Or if they just did like the, the cough and squeeze without your consent. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be awful? That would be awful. Gosh, you really did have those those sorted. Yeah. Oh. Would you like my good news? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> um, one of them was that Kristen Bell video we watched the other day. 
Uh, yes. Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard. Most and Ellen. Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard stuff, I don't get. I, doesn't get me up anymore. Or it's just kind of after listening to that very long podcast where they Oof. just like had a marital dispute for an hour and a half Oof. on the podcast while we were driving through the pigeons. Driving through the pigeons. You killed the Arizona, pigeons. Arizona. Flagstaff area. Um, yeah. Go to Diablo Burger. It's really good. So. After that, like, I just see all of their, like, fights that they have every time I see interviews with them. Like, I see the tension. Like, you don't see the sloth anymore. You're like, tension. you only see the tension. This was hilarious. This was them taking that tension and making it fucking funny. Yes. We should probably give them a little bit of context. Um, it was like this weird... There's no way to explain what this was. It was this, this like, was. weird food fight Ellen kind of thing where they had to... They were blindfolded. It was the Ellen show. They were blindfolded and had to, like, to try a food and describe it to their partner without saying the words. It was, like, catchphrase, but, like... Taboo eating. with food. Yeah, taboo yeah. with food. Uh, and it just got increasingly ridiculous, especially the Cheetos one. Yeah. It was well, just Kristen really was funny. just... Like, it, it was very reminiscent of the taboo scene in uh, Four Christmases. Yeah, she's just really bad at games. Like, she doesn't quite listen to the rules. She just gets really excited and just forgets the rules. Yeah. And then just also yells, they're shaped like fingers! And just, like, yells <laughs> things that aren't maybe the best to focus on. Yeah. And then I would be more of a Dax, where I'd be like, that's not the game! This is timed, honey! Get your shit together! So it was really funny. Okay. Um, and the other one, you yeah. probably already peeked at my notes. I Did didn't, actually. I usually do. see this uh i saw this in your twitter feed yeah it's not gonna happen though why pitch is not coming back honey but look at her face the I show it to pitch come back. it's not mark paul gossler <sighs> is the passage or whatever now he's moved oh, on he's past his catching days that one's gonna get canceled so it'll be fine the padres are in season when they're gonna film next winter maybe they it's can revive happening. it now and film it next winter. Turn it into a cartoon no. with the voices. I, I want pitch back. That was people always want like more interesting Firefly. shows. They want shows with like a lot of diverse people in the show and like creative strong females premise. and creative premise and mental illness, mental health issues and whatever. And the show had all of that and they fucked it up. <sighs> We are sponsored. Way to make that a bad news. This episode by Book Digits, where you can go see what books Heather and I have read recently, you including see, one which I gave an F to. I did. Which one did you give an F to? Because you told me I had to read every Don DeLillo book this oh, year. Yeah. You oh, challenged me. Yeah, absolutely not. And I, I couldn't said, even get. I got tw like three. At least three attempts, and I got like maybe forty pages into White Noise. You're still gonna read. White I'm Noise. never gonna read White Noise. I've tried. I can't. Um. So yeah, I'm going through the early bibliography right now, and got to a few that almost made me give up on this experiment. Uh, almost. Yeah. Um. I thought you were gonna talk about my book streak. I've read five books so far this month, including April. two graphic novels. But five books in ten days mm -hmm. in April. What's your rank overall on book digits? Number two of all time, mm. and I'm gonna catch Mishker. I will. Okay. If, you're, out. if you're listening, Mishker. Called out. I'm coming for you. This podcast is promoted on the homepage. She could be a listener. And I'm seven books ahead of schedule. Damn. For my reading goal. Look I've at read that 28 thermometer. Books. I know. You're almost halfway there. Yeah. And it's only a third of the way through the year, so I'm basically killing it. Okay. Um. So it's time to get into the meat of this episode. The faux mm -hmm. meat. The, the impossible burger of it. Meat and potatoes. The veggies. 
Um, what would you like to talk about? I think I want to talk about the book because I think How to Train Your Dragon is going to be a lot. I'm just going to let you talk about that one. Um, so I think, I think we start with the book so that then if people lose interest, at least we've already talked about the book. I like that approach, but it will never happen. (laughs) If people give up on us, um, I want them to give up later and not earlier. Okay. What are we talking about? We are talking about The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Acevedo? Acevedo. Yeah. Um, it is a... Oh, I brought that other book home for you. The um, other book that's in poetry that I mentioned. That was in okay. the classroom. Um, so The Poet X... Acevedo, I was right. Mm-hmm. It is a book about a uh, Afro-Latino mm-hmm. high schooler uh, named... Ziamara. Ziamara. And she is a poet or wannabe poet and like spoken word poet kind of thing. And she writes this whole book in verse. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge like poetry aficionado, but I thought this book was excellent. It manages to be a YA book, like a very solid YA book. Hits a lot of like the tropes and yeah. uh, emotional highs and lows of a YA book, but all in like short poems. Uh, which made it a very quick read. So if you're like at all interested oh, in what we're saying, you could read it in like a couple hours. It's max. like 300 pages, but yeah, it's a couple hours. Yeah, and uh, it's it just felt very authentic. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of feelings about it. The uh, poetry narration made it feel very fresh, even though some of the themes were you know age old YA themes. You're like plagiarizing my book to just review. Am I? Basically. Um, Not surprised. Do you want to read your book to just read them before I steal all of Sure. The elements here are hardly new. You have a teenage protagonist trying to survive high school while overbearing parents frown on everything she does. The story should be too simple to work, but the format Acevedo employs is so fresh that it breathes new life into familiar tropes. I did steal that, I guess. Her text is presented as a sort of free verse diary, but after a while it doesn't even feel like a narrative poem. The book becomes a new form of storytelling, one which can build powerful scenes with beautiful brevity. It's like that um, Whew. that quote that's like, I'm sorry this letter is so long, I didn't have time to write a shorter one. Hmm. You know that quote? It sounds familiar. <laughs> I think about that a lot because as you know, and as any of the listeners know, I tend to be a rambler. Mm-hmm. The, the point is that it's a lot harder to put emotions and... Uh, to distill your thoughts into fewer words. It's easier to write more words sometimes um, because you can just kind of dump it all out there without refining it. I know the average, I know that's true for the average person. But I just mean like if you're trying to explain your point to someone, yeah, it's easier to kind of just keep talking and go around it Correct. than to say it in one sentence concisely. Yeah. At least for me. I see what you're getting at and that's where this book really excels. Like... For me, as I was saying in that review, it didn't even really feel like poetry because I was worried it was going to try to rhyme some, if not all, of the time. Yeah. Like, I was expecting, like, Shakespeare, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, I was expecting the opposite, where it's, like, the other one that I mentioned was this um, book called By the River, and it's by an Australian author, and mm-hmm. it's similar to this, except it's a very different tone. It's meant to be kind of idyllic pastoral uh, Australian town. And that one suffers a little bit from like the, is this really a poem or did you just take a paragraph and separate the sentences out with extra lines? I see what you mean. Yeah. So that's what I was more worried about was that it was going to be so free verse 
that it didn't actually feel like poetry. It just kind of felt like very sparse prose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we had opposite expectations, but the... Interesting. It met somewhere in the middle. Yeah. The author really made it work. Like you said, it didn't feel like you were reading poems. It just felt like you were reading very... Cons- like going straight to the heart of all yeah, of the Yeah, and I just scenes. feel like young writers should like read that book and like you were saying, realize that you can you can only put eight sentences on a page, but still describe an entire scene with emotions, with dialogue, with everything. And like, I don't believe in like the Hemingway thing where it's like, take out all your adverbs or whatever. Is that yeah. Hemingway? Maybe. One of those like dead white guy authors where it's like, go back and take out all your adverbs. You shouldn't need them. And like, I don't necessarily agree with that, that you need to have very sparse writing in order to be successful or in order to be literary or whatever. But in this case, it's like, yeah, like she, she really packed a a punch for each word. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was just incredible. And the the actual story was good too. Like how you get such character development and backstory and everything with just poetry is crazy. Yeah. Like when I look back and, and think of it in my head, I don't really think of it as poems. I just think of all of the stories and the the um, plot points, and the characters, and everything. Yeah, it felt like to me almost sort of like a story in outline form where the empty spaces around it gave like the reader space to build it up themselves, but there was still enough detail to kind of carry it forward. That's a good way to put it. Um, the side characters were really solid. I liked mm-hmm. the brother, like the, the parents were very like, well, there was a twin. Out. You're over twins though. The twin was fine though. Cause they weren't like super it twinny. Yeah. It wasn't a twin conflict. Like I also thought the story did a very good job of making it about Giamara. Like there were a lot of, other factors going on. There was her brother keeping secrets. There was the relationship with her parents. There was the relationship with her church. There was Mm -hmm. the boy at school. There was the poetry at school, Mm -hmm. but none of those really like outshone the coming of age, uh, plot that really pulled everything else through. Yeah. Like it wasn't a romance book. It wasn't a twin conflict book. Interesting to come back to this discussion when we talk about the one I just finished. Okay. Uh, the sky is everywhere mm-hmm. because everything we're saying about this book in terms of how it kind of came back to the protagonist as like the soul of the book and all the elements moving around her were kind of like natural but just floating around her. Like I feel like that book did it in all the opposite wrong ways. I was about to say that about the book I just finished as I was talking. Mm. Um, I just read... Let's talk about You love. just finished a book as you were talking just now? I know you read quick. Uh, yesterday. <laughs> but people can't hear you glaring at me. Yes. Can they, though? I think they could by that pause. Side eye. Uh, I have a really good glare now from being a teacher. True. I can scare some of my children with a look now. Um, I, yesterday, finished reading Let's Talk About Love by Claire Can, which I was very excited you about. You were so excited. I was very excited. Not, like, so, so excited. But I was, like, decently excited about it because it's about, it has a black, bi-romantic, asexual character, uh, which I was interested to read about just like outside of uh, the normal sexual spectrum that you read about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something new for me. And I typically like, as the people know, like LGBTQA, IA, etc. books because they're something new. They're not the same old like YA tropes that get old. 
Uh, and I just was very disappointed by this book. Everything that I was just saying about how all the side stories kind of support the the main character's growth, this book I just finished, Let's Talk About Love, was the opposite. Like, she was just so whiny. Can you do some of your voice, please? <sighs> please. Um, I don't know if I have it. The... Let me just build up to it and then I'll try and slip sure. it in. So the main character uh, is struggling with her sexuality. She thought she had it sorted out and then she meets this new boy who kind of makes her question things. And this all happens at a time when she's kind of fighting with her parents about her major and like fighting with her best friends that she lived with because they're getting married and kind of pulling away from her. But the, the character voice was just so whiny and annoying. Like it was supposed to be... It's like a YA or NA new adult book, but she sounded like she was fucking 13 the whole time. It was just like, oh, my parents are paying for my college and I just don't know what to do. They love me so much and they won't stop calling. <laughs> like that was the whole book was like that tone. And mm. then it was like, my friends love me so much. They just want to be around me all the time. And like I ditched them at a party and then I haven't been home in seven days and I just don't know why they're mad at me. <laughs> like that was the whole book. Like those little like things going on in her life that I know didn't don't feel little like they should in other books they could have been a big plot point and could have worked and in this book the protagonist was so whiny and annoying I did not care about her journey so I didn't care about any of it whereas with the poet X despite being like a lot shorter and more concise and and whatever I like cared so much more about Giamara and mm -hmm. and the way that those uh, circumstances in her life fueled her character growth was just excellently done. Yep. Especially compared to some other recent books that I've read that that could have had similar I hear you. Similar journeys. Ms. Acevedo has a more traditional novel coming out Girl this summer. Girl on Fire. I think that's right. right. Add it to your book digits to read list. I now. only requested it from the library. Wow, you're really on top of it. Or it's on my to read list at the very least. So, highly recommend this book. Uh, even if you don't think you're a fan of YA or poetry or anything, it, it transcends <clears throat> transcends genres. I would read I it. I gave it an A-, minus, which is a very good grade for me. I think I gave it an A. Probably. Like any YA book, it, it kind of has to tie itself together into a happy ending yeah. quite quickly at the end. And in this case, I just had a little bit of a reservation in terms of how she and her mother come to terms and, like, settle their differences. Like, they have some serious, serious differences to deal with. And it just kind of gets wrapped up a little too neat for me, I guess. I I see what you mean, but I didn't find it that off-putting. Like, I didn't want... The, maybe it just I didn't want the book to end without there being some sort of resolution with yeah. the mother. And it didn't seem like she was like, sure, have him over for dinner, marry him, we'll all be happy. Like, it did seem like there was still some work to be done, I thought. Uh, I would have liked you to read the ending of... I'm going to compare it to another recent YA book yeah. that I didn't like. Uh, the Love and Lies of Roxana Ali, in which she's very Muslim, and she's from... She's um, been... Bengali. Bang She's from Bangladesh. Uh-huh. And she is, like, literally kidnapped by her parents and held, like, against her will in Bangladesh until she agrees to marry someone and uh, is kept in a room, starved, and then drugged so that this weird shaman can come, like, do it, like, get the gin out of her body those like are the genie not, out of her body. not typical YA tropes. And and then she like has to run away from her parents. And 
in the end, her parents are just like, like so her, uh, spoilers, I guess, but her uh, potential fiance mm -hmm. ends up being killed because they were like each other's beards. They were both gay and were just like trying to help each other escape. Uh, he's killed for being gay. And then her parents are like, oh, we're so sorry. And then after like ignoring their phone calls for a little while, she like goes home and like forgives them. And then she has like her girlfriend over for dinner because she's gay. Uh -huh. Has her girlfriend over for dinner and like everyone's happy. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, you're right. That's on a different level then. That's on a different level. Like this book was kind of like, yes, the mom was like borderline emotional abusive. and That's what I was going to say. Is that in a few reviews abusive. I read of it, it was like when you're... When you're related to abusive people like that, they're not going to change overnight. And I'm sure, I mean, the book leaves things kind of in a happy spot, but it's foolish to assume it's going to be happy forever. Right. And I thought this book, like, yes, it may be tied it up a little bit too neatly because it is a book and not real mm -hmm. life. But I thought that still left some, I thought it was still kind of honest that like it wasn't going to be perfect straight away, sure. but then they were willing to try. Whereas this other book that I finished a couple weeks ago was like, she literally was held hostage in a room and drugged by her parents. Gosh. And her mom literally slapped her girlfriend in the face when she found them together. And then in the end, they just come over for dinner and then the mom says like one kind of nice thing. And then like they all cry like a big happy family and go to like a gay straight alliance meeting. Like it was ludicrous. I don't know if it was like a a fantasy kind of thing for the author, like a cathartic mm -hmm. thing for the author, what like she wanted to happen in her real life. So she manifested it in a book or if she just felt the need for a happy ending or something. But I was all ready for the girl to like emancipate herself mm -hmm. and be like, screw you. I'm out. And instead she's like, they, they really are willing to try and love me again. And I was like, man, don't go back to them. Wow. We are killing it this episode <laughs> with our tangents. Yes. There's been a lot of asides so far. Love it. We got one more topic, though. We do, and I have a lot of thoughts about it, so I'm, I'll try to keep it concise. Uh, we are going to talk about, I guess it was. It counts as a movie. It was a made-for-TV <laughs> movie that they put yes, in theaters. A, a straight-to-DVD movie. Correct. That they put in theaters. Like, on level with, like, Aladdin 3. Yes. We're talking about How to Train Your Dragon 3. So, I was the one who wanted to see you this. You were so excited. You needed some toothless in your life. I just... The first and second movies are excellent. Pretty good. Like, they're not the best animated movies all time of all time. There are some, like, issues with them. But, like, the emotional impact is there. Like, the emotional journey in the first one. Yep. When he, like, finds this dragon and then he's keeping it a secret and his dad is, like, not proud of him. And then he has to, like, keep like keep up this deception and then he has to turn his back on his family in order to, like, save his dragon best friend. Like, very good. The second one, when it's, like, his dragon is being possessed by an evil oh. dragon then he finds his mom. And oh. then there's the sad thing with the dad. Like, mm -hmm. excellent emotional punches, you know? Yep. Nothing on this one. So you wrote an essay in the car, on the car ride home. He did. I almost took my phone out of the theater to make notes because I was not enjoying the movie, and I was like, I might as well write this shit down. Yep. Okay. So do you want to... Do you have, like, just, like, a real brief overall notes that you want to share, and I'll, like, maybe um, jump in? Sure. Or do you want me to start going and you jump in? So there's, like, there's no plot here. Or mm -hmm. there is a plot. It's a bad plot. Bad plot. Bad dialogue. Uh, the biggest thing for me is like the entire the entire operation was so clearly phoned in. Mm. 
from the art to the plot to the music probably okay. i don't even remember but especially to the voices like none of the people even showed up like i'm pretty sure jonah hill was there for like an afternoon maybe uh Chris i just read through his line one though like, yeah you're fine yeah uh kristen wig was like the featured voice but it was basically the kristen wig and the hiccup show uh and that was it my biggest issue was the dialogue it was so bad. There was yeah. maybe a total of like 30 lines of dialogue in an hour and 45 minutes movie. Like the dialogue was just bad. No funny bits. No, no funny yeah. parts. The only parts that were supposed to be funny were like Big Bang style theory where it's like, ha ha, aren't women the worst? Yeah, this old lady kind of likes me, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, the old ball and chain. Yeah. It's like, come on, can we not perpetuate these bullshit, like, uh statements about marriage and relationships to like small children like is that really necessary like sure if you wanted to throw in a little bit of a wedding plot to give you an excuse to do a beautiful wedding at the end of the movie spoilers fine but it does not have to be accompanied by all of these like bullshit jokes and comments and stuff about how women like are the worst and they drag you down and astrid's like only point in the she started off the first movie as like this badass chick who was the best dragon like fighter and then she is brave enough to like believe hiccup and give him a chance and help him with trying to like save the dragons and go against his family and in this one in this one uh hiccup's mom who's also supposed to be a badass lady is like go on encourage him like her only job <laughs> through this whole film yes. was like make hiccup feel better about himself correct that's it which is there was just so much heteronormative bullshit like mm -hmm. her only job was to like support her man there was so many like comments about the ball and chain kind of thing yeah there was a very unnecessary marriage plot like why couldn't the plot have just been like you're all gonna die why did the overall <laughs> plot have to be like oh you're gonna have to get married soon son yeah. i don't understand it didn't make any sense and it was very incongruous with like the tone of like literally someone wants to kill your whole village <laughs> priorities people um <sighs> i wished Coming out of it, my biggest takeaway was that I wish the last, like, five minutes, like, the epilogue, essentially, had just been a short film. Correct. I literally would have paid more to see that as a short film It's beautiful, than I did to see it's thing. poetic, it's artistic, it's heartbreaking. It's got the right, like, best friend, like, I'll do what's best for you thing going on. Yeah. Like, uh, the rest of the movie just didn't make it's sense. It's like the Spock and Kirk of, of animated films. Sure. No. Mm. It's more like it's more like a pet owner relationship more right. than a Spock and Kirk relationship. Okay. But um, what are those other comments? One of my notes was that I walked into the theater crying but did not cry during the movie, which is like not that atypical for me. Huh. But uh, the other movies, like you started off being like, wow, this movie's great. Look at the cute dragon. And then like really hit you emotionally. Yeah. This movie, I was very emotional just like from my life going into the movie. And then like did not this like brought you dry back to zero. it brought yeah. me back the other way which is bad um so yeah we need to dig into the plot just a little bit so this movie is called how to train your dragon uh what is it the hidden world yeah and so we've left this viking civilization at the end of the second movie where now everyone in their community loves dragons mm -hmm. rides dragons primary form of public transportation and just like economy and a everything. little bit of a slavery vibe kind of because they keep them in very very 
closed-in areas, which creates some destruction. Well, it's a little bit of, like... That's the one part of this movie that I did like was the idea of, like, what's actually best for the dragons? Like, mm. yes, we've saved them, but once we've saved them, do we need to, like, keep them as pets? Kind of captivity. Do we need to keep them in captivity? Like, is the only way to protect them to keep them in captivity, or can we find a better way for them to live? I agreed with that part of it. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to have to remind me, what is the impotence for them leaving their village? The so bad guy there's shows there's this up? bad guy who wants to kill the all the night fairies. most generic villain. The most one-note villain and they gave a couple hints of like him like knowing things about the town and about the people in town and i was like oh is he gonna have some cool backstory about how he was from burke and maybe he's like the nemesis of the dad nah, nothing just they just evil. wasted that he was so one note and evil just to be evil and he wants to kill all the night furies he only wants to like control dragons he doesn't think they should be like respected or like kept as pets or anything like that mm -hmm. he just wants to kill the night furies and kill the dragons or enslave them and because Hiccup has a Night Fury, he just, like, has this, like... Target. Per also, he just seems kind of bored and, like, evil dude. Mm -hmm. So he just targets him and, like, comes up with increasingly unnecessarily convoluted plots to try and, like, get the Night Fury. Part of which includes the, the, the Light Fury, which I've got a whole science rant that I'll save for the time being. Oof. But, so this bad guy, like, tries to uh, mess with Toothless and, and Hiccup's vibe by bringing in a, a lady, yeah. a lady friend for Toothless to have him mate with, which kind of works. Um, and then Hiccup decides the best thing they can do is just leave the town and find somewhere else because they're not, everyone like knows, all the dragon hunters and stuff know where their town is. Like they've come, become too much of a target. Yeah. If you make your money off of hunting for dragons, like it's kind of mecca for you. It's like there's a hundred thousand dragons, dragons yeah. in small confined spaces but right for the picking. For a movie that had like very little plot, the one plot they had that made sense, which was like, oh, by saving the dragons, we've made ourselves a target. We need to figure out what's going to be the safest is wasted in 30 seconds when they're yeah. like, well, let's just have the whole town go. And they just pack up and leave. Yeah. You scout Within first. the course of a day. Not even a day. Like, they have, like, a discussion. And they're like, where are we going to go, Hiccup? And he's like, well, I think the bad guys are coming from that direction, so we'll try this way, maybe? Like, I think the Lost we World got, might be in this direction vaguely, according to a, we a got, broken like, app. We got, like, a 15-minute head start, so I think we should be okay. Yeah. Um, it didn't make any sense. That decision, like, should have been the actual plot of the movie instead of being glossed over in, like, a one-minute decision, which made no sense. My other favorite part is that they're, like, I just imagine them in the writer's room coming up with the idea for this villain, and they're, like, yeah, he wants to kill all dragons. And then someone, like, in the corner raised their hand, and they're, like, how does the evil guy get around quickly? And they're, like... Well, he has to fly on dragons, I guess. Yeah. Well, he only likes evil dragons, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, the the, fil the these this trilogy did get a little bit one note. The only climax idea for any of them is someone falling. Yes. So many <laughs> falling from flying dragons. And it also... There's just so many plot holes that the other movies like were able to uh, kind of avoid dealing with because they had really solid plots and emotional arcs mm -hmm. so that you were just like oh i don't really care that they haven't invented parachutes because they're too busy trying to like change the town or save this or save that this one it was like there was so many random inventions that just saved things but they haven't invented a fucking parachute when they fly on dragons yeah he could invent like a, a what like suits like fireproof dragon suits for all right. of them but he couldn't make a fucking parachute which is just a sheet with strings <laughs> that you pack into a bag i don't understand she's spitting she's spitting do you want to talk about 
the also, white dragon. Okay. How did the good guys never have any weapons? Yeah. For... They were supposed to be fighting the dragon poachers. And none of them ever had weapons. Even right. when they like went on like all these missions. No weapons. No. Never quite prepared for a battle, yet always finding themselves in the middle of one. <laughs> um, do you want me to get into my science stuff? Sure. Tell us about okay. the white dragon. Um, I mean, the white dragon part has been really overanalyzed on the internet, so you can oh. um, Google that if you want to, but basically it does not make any sense for there to be a white dragon. Um, if they're night furies yep. and they're nocturnal, it yep. does not make sense for her to be white unless she is diurnal instead of nocturnal in which case that makes no sense because how are they going to mate and they're portrayed as raising children together so how mm. does that work if they, there was not a there was not a good enough reason for her to be white other than like that it looked nice as a contrast, contrast on a yeah. poster also the other changes they made to her were just like unnecessary as well like the, the way that they made her face look more feminine it's like what that that ties into my whole one of my other problems was like anthropomorphizing the dragon so much like they're not humans and they're not meant to be humans they're meant to be kind of slightly domesticated wild animals yeah so why did you need them to do all these human like things like a lot of the I, I know it's an animated series so it's not like I sit here being like the Lion King why did they smile <laughs> like I understand yeah. that like it's a kids movie and the animals like obviously are able to communicate with humans better than like a wild animal would be. But like in the first movie, there's a lot of like the dragon being wild and acting like a wild animal and having to kind of get used to the people. Mm -hmm. And then in this one, like the dragon literally understood English enough to negotiate with the villain at one point, <laughs> uh, you know, like a hostage yeah, situation. Like, like, like Hiccup got himself like really, really in a, in a bind and he's like, oh, wait, if she goes over there and explains this, oh, she tricked him. Okay, yep, it all worked out. Yeah. The end. And there's one, po there's one point where they find the Lost World, spoilers, and <laughs> I love the, this part. the dragons go in there, and these dragons that have never seen a human before, presumably, they all bow to, to Toothless and his, like, nameless mate. Mm-hmm. Why are they bowing? No animal... How Besides, like, maybe a fucking hippogriff from Harry Potter bows like that. Or, like, the animals in, like, the Circle of Life Lion King. Why were they bowing? How did you feel about the entrance to said hidden world? Waterfalls don't work like that. <laughs> you can't just keep pouring water down into a big cavern and then have there be no water down in the cavern. And have there, like, the rate of water that was falling in there. Where is the, the refilling the water? If you have a fountain with a big fucking drain in the middle, eventually there's no more water left. And the water has to go somewhere. Also not particularly <sighs> hidden. Like when you look out on the horizon and you're like, huh, there's a giant hole in the ocean. I yeah. wonder if that could be the portal to the hidden world. Yeah. Um, and then the, the spoilers again. The baby coloring didn't make sense either. Yeah. The babies, like in the natural world, they should either, they should actually be white to match the mom. Because if the mom is raising them, there should match the mom so that, like, they can camouflage with the mom. Okay. They should not... Or they should be, like... There's some, like, monkeys, for example, that are, like, mom's color when they're younger or, like, a neutral color when they're younger and then they change as they get older because if, if the sexes are different colors. So they should have been, like, gray, maybe. Like, the baby coloring didn't make any sense either. Have they never met a scientist? Are you... They obviously never, ever like, consulted a scientist. Are you applying to be a consultant on the next film? Uh, it's too late. They should have invited me for this film. Hmm. Um hugging there was a hug too uh i also did not understand uh a lot of things i have a few more things um 
how were there baby light furies in the cave if there was no dads? If that he was the only night fairy left. When they went down to the cave, there were just like yeah. random baby light furies. Mm. D- can she just asexually reproduce? Why does she need toothless then? Didn't make sense. Um, they also kind of were making this point of like there were no baby dragons or something. Weren't they like hatching baby dragons in the town? Mm. Like, the, there's a baby car- carrier. Yeah, 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 right. And then they go down into the cave and they're like, look at all the baby dragons. It's like you have baby dragons at home. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, also, I was really annoyed by some of the, like, animal behavior things. Not the anthropomorphizing things, but, like, what the fuck animal are they trying to make a dragon be? Is Like, the first movie seemed to think it was, like, a cat. Like, the way the pupils right. were and some of the mannerisms. I was like, oh, it's kind of like a cat, but it's a dragon. And I could see, like, some of the dog things, too. Like, there was, like, a fetch scene, I think. And, like, sure. I could see that. But in this one, it was like, is it a dog? Is it a cat? Is it a bat? <laughs> is it a fucking scorpion? Like, okay, the evil guys, dragons. Mm-hmm. Were like scorpion dragons. Tell us about what did they? How, what was they their just form of like attack? Projectile vomited venom. <laughs> also, not a thing in the animal world. You can like spit venom, or you can like put venom through your through your fangs. You don't just go <laughs> and it's just venom, and you just die. It's just acid, and it just it was endless. They just kept doing it. They were just like buckets of acid, buckets, fucking and just puked everywhere. Fucking machines. And the bad guy supposedly controlled those dragons and any dragons he wanted to by taking that venom and just sticking a needle in their brains that was attached to a muzzle. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you can't just be like, I'm going to control you and to put a poison dart in your brain and then they just like are mind controlled. Uh-huh. That didn't make any sense at all. And that was like a major plot point too because all of a sudden like toothless gets like drugged up. But it's like you don't know the dosage. There's absolutely no like machine or anything like controlling the brainwaves you're just saying because they have venom in their brains that they have to listen to your voice like if anything maybe it would like make them all addled and like not sure what's going on and hallucinating or something it is not going to make them like call them an evil genius mind control (sighs) honey this is like this is your audition tape for our podcast awards if someone wants to nominate her for this rant i just it's just so frustrating because like, I usually am able to suspend my disbelief for movies. There are a lot of movies that have a lot of stuff that does not make sense. And I still really enjoy it. Sure. Uh, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, Mulan, the avalanche, at the avalanche, at the end of Mulan, wouldn't actually have gone at that velocity. Like, I'm not sure. that person. You know, I can enjoy movies yeah. and not get caught up in these things. But this movie this was one just had so to be bad. Like, under the age of seven in order to do that, where you would just be like, oh, cool, white dragon, yay. Yeah, it was just, there was just so many obvious errors and inconsistencies and plot holes that I couldn't ignore it. I, I just couldn't let it go. And I, I honestly don't even think it was the mood I was in. I wanted to go to the movies. I was, like, in an emotional mood. I just wanted to go, like, enjoy, like, fairly straightforward movie about mm-hmm. dragons. And instead, I just sat there really angry that they didn't hire a scientist. Like, I understand, like, not every movie they're going to, like, hire a, like, animal biologist to to consult with. And I get that. And like you said, they probably tried to make this as cheap for as cheap as they could. Yeah. And gave the voice actors, like, here's a half an hour. Here's your ten lines. Yeah. Try them a couple times and we'll take whatever one is best. <laughs> but if you're going to try and have a movie that is that some of the main characters are some sort of animal, even if it's a fantasy animal, do yourself a favor and, like, just ask a scientist to just look it over. 
and make sure it makes sense. Take a read through. Just take a read through. Like I would have done it for free. Just stick my name in the credits, you know, <laughs> like have someone be like, some of these things don't make sense. And it just would have been such a cleaner movie. And editors can help sometimes. So one issue I had was like the science stuff, like, or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things they're like, this would be cute. Let's just do this. And it was very inconsistent. But then the other issue was like the, the plotting and the dialogue was just so bad. Yeah. Like, like there's so many writers in the world. Just like hire a better writer there's or a writer like that's going to try. There's a 20 minute silent scene between the two dragons as they cuddle and fall in love. And it is like the most boring thing I've seen on a big screen. And I love Toothless. Yeah. I was tempted to buy a toothless stuffed animal at the mall. That's how mm -hmm. much I love toothless. And I did not give a shit about his journey. And it also like took apart a lot of the development from the previous two movies in which it was like, our friendship can overcome anything. Mm -hmm. And in this one, he was like, oh, you found a girl. Bye. See you never. And, and toothless was just like, all right, bye friend. Like it just, I, I really hate movies that undo the development of the previous movie. That was one of my um, finding Dory issues too. Yeah. Um, my biological issue with that one was echolocation does not work like that. <laughs> um, but so much of that movie was about, uh, Marlin, Marlin, like not trusting Dory and like underestimating her. And the whole point of the first movie was that he needs to trust the people in his life. Yeah. And then in the second movie, they just turned him back into early Marlin from the first movie. And it's yeah. like, if you don't have a plot idea that doesn't undo all of your development from the then previous movie, then sequel. you don't need a sequel. And that's how I felt about this one. I was like, if you if you made this whole like hour and 45 minute film just for that last five minutes, just fucking release the last five minutes. Yeah. Just do it as one of those little shorts before one of your other movies that you're actually going to care about and put time and effort into. And just don't waste my time with the rest of this movie. You're right, babe. Whew. Drop that mic. And don't feed our children all this Drop heteronormative bullshit. Mic. White dude. It was yeah, obviously was written by like a white dude who's never taken a science class in his life. <laughs> Okay, um, there's some upcoming stuff, I guess. <laughs> this is you trying to pull it back? Yeah. Gosh, um, Nosferatu is actually going to be a released show. I have that on here. I was skeptical, and then I saw that ZQ, Zachary Quinto, is yep. the bad guy, and now I'm in. You're on board. Now I'm on board. You're going to be scared out of your, your leggings, though. Probably, because even just the book scared me, and I like couldn't listen to Christmas music, like instrumental Christmas music, for a while. Yeah, um, my other upcoming one, I think I'll just read the headline. I'm not sure anything else needs to be said. Okay. NBA star Steph Curry is making a TV series about competitive high stakes mini golf. How do I sign up to be on mini golf? Because I'm know. pretty good at it. You're pretty good. I won drunk mini golf. With my co with my coworkers at a course I had never played at before mm -hmm. by a lot. The show will be called Holy Moly. It's a little too punny. For you can win twenty five grand on an fucking episode. Fucking sign me up! I'd be so good at that. So yeah. Is that all you have? That's all I have. Um, Illuminate Files. There's going to be a novella. Okay. How do you feel about that? Uh, I was going through my to-read list today, and I stumbled upon Aurora Rising, which is their new book, yes. coming out this month or next month, I think. Um, and the the synopsis of it kind of read like a, I don't know, a bad redo of Illuminae, so I wasn't actually that excited about okay. it. 
I don't know. I'm a little I skeptical. I haven't actually read any of the work by the other works by. They the have authors. a lot of like they sci-fi series of and stuff. Sci-fi other works that none of them have like excited me that much. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say the plot of Illuminate excited me that much when I first read it. So I keep feeling like I should give their other series That's or books I, a chance. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so I'm going to give Aurora Rising a chance because that one is actually both of them again. Correct. Right? Um, and I actually thought the plot sounded right up my alley for this one. Okay. So I'm going to try that one out and see if I think it's worthwhile, and then maybe I'll check out their other series. As you know, my to-read list is already out of control. there's a new novella. Memento, an Illuminae Files novella. Okay. Um, The Twilight Zone. You know how I love expanded universes. It's my thing. Helps your to-read list. You always make fun of me, so you can boost your numbers a little bit. Um, The Twilight Zone. Uh Uh-huh. I used to have to watch this in middle school. We had a... a, one of our teachers was a little bit strange and always put the Twilight Zone on. I've never seen an episode of the Twilight really? Zone. Really? Yeah. I watched a lot of it in middle school. I had multiple teachers in middle school who, like, would put the Twilight Zone on, like, if we had, like, a free day or, like, I don't know. I don't even know what it is, really. It's a it's a fictional show about weird things happening. Like, they're individual. I know that part. <laughs> Like, they're just individual stories? They're kind of presented as, like, did they really happen or did they not really happen? Well, actually, yeah. My only pathway to the Twilight Zone is that episode of Boy Meets World when he disappears in the hospital room. That's the Twilight Zone, right? Your dad didn't like the Twilight Zone? Your dad seems like a Twilight Zone dude. Mm -mm. Um, It's meant to be, like, it was a normal town. And then this happened. And then there's, like, aliens or something. Yeah. And then at the end, like, the... It's almost like the, um... War to catch a predator, kind of, no. Oh yeah, the to catch a predator dude, where like, yeah. where like he's kind of narrating it, or like the sixty minutes guy, where there's like, no, this, right, like, that's the what happens in that boy meets world one, where yeah. he's like, the boy disappeared, he was, he vanished, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. So there's like this, uh, like host kind of person yeah. that takes you through, and then you see this weird story that takes place, and it's in black and white, and it's this weird story. It's almost presented like a history kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then at the end, like it doesn't really get resolved, and then then the host is like. And then that town was never seen again. Mm-hmm. Did it really happen? Who knows? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, there's some of them were, I remember some of them being very good. Some of them being scary and some of them being just fucking boring. Uh-huh. So I was like, kind of like, meh, whatever. And I kind of felt like Black Mirror was already attempting to do that type of thing in a modern way. So I was like, right. do we really need like a straight remake? If there's other shows that are on our like Netflix list yeah. that are taking it in maybe more of a modern format. And and then I saw that Adam Scott was in it, and um, what's his face? Um, what? The Get Out guy. Yeah, Jordan Peele is behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, 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 I'll give mm-hmm. this a chance. It's on fucking CBS Access bullshit. Just the same reason I never watched that new Star Trek show either. <laughs> yeah. And I just I don't want. I don't want CBS all access. I have so many streaming things. Like, I've hit my limit for streaming things. I'm not going to get it just to watch Twilight Zone. There are the basically the only upcoming show that I'm excited about that would get me to buy a streaming service would be... Um, something with Darren Chris. No. What? The Golden Compass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only TV show that I can think of. It's coming on HBO. Don't worry about it, babe. I'm just... No, but I'm just saying, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, me being, like, slightly intrigued by an updated Twilight Zone is not enough to get no. CBS all fucking access, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm not excited about... Yep. Lion King Live. 
whatever it's called, Lion King live action. Oh, no, because the so internet... So bad. The, Disney is paying so much fucking money. The same headlines came out. You're gonna go wild for the latest Lion King trailer. Like, I don't get how much they're paying it, these and websites. And it was bad, and it was summed up by this tweet that I retweeted today. Mm. So glad they could take all the all the verve and fun out of Lion King and replace it with fake nature documentary footage and dead eyes. Oh, uh, we won't do a live just watching, but like, I'll have to see it. It just looks like this. stuffed, like badly taxidermied animals. Yeah. Kind of like being stop motioned around with the, the Lion King music playing over it. Yeah. Like the the way that the, uh, there's just no emotion in the animals' faces at all because they're meant to be like real animals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. And I'm absolutely like saying on the podcast for posterity, I am not seeing it. Aladdin, I keep You're going. You're not seeing, not seeing it? it. You can see it without me. I'm I not seeing it. I will see it without you. I'm not you. seeing it. I keep going back and forth wow. on Aladdin. And I still think I want to see Aladdin. This one, I do not want to see. I watched the trailer and not for not for one second was I intrigued by it. It was like dead eyed taxidermied <sighs> animals trying to sing the Lion King songs. I'll just rewatch the other Lion King. Okay. I'm gonna let's wrap this up so I can watch this because now you've got me interested. Um, maybe I'll go see Aladdin alone and you can go see Lion King alone <laughs> and we'll we'll meet back in the middle. Um, what else did I have? Uh, there's Netflix is producing some sort of Mindy Kaling coming of age um story. Yeah, movie. No TV series. I thought. Oh, she also sold a movie. I thought it was a TV series about the like Tonight Show thing. Oh no! It's like a like a fictional one that's about her, like uh, it's like a YA one about her growing up as like an Indian American. Oh, okay. She's got a lot of um, projects. Then she does. She always has a lot of projects, but it's not really good. And I was intrigued by people are describing it as kind of like trying to make up for canceling one day at a time because it's meant to be like a sitcom-y thing about like an Indian American family. Yeah. Anyways, I was intrigued by what I read about that one. Um, there's a Dora the Explorer movie, and it doesn't look terrible. We talked about this last time, Did we? I thought. Maybe okay. not. But. Um, and my last good news is that the book that I've been most excited about this for this year and the book that made me like, well, there's two books I'm very excited about. The Car- uh, Carry On. No, sorry. Wayward Sons. Yep. The sequel to Carry On. And Red, White, and Royal Blue by yep. Casey McQuiston. Uh, I was very excited about those two books. They made me like pre-order books for, I think, the first time in my adult life. Yeah. I felt like I didn't know I've you. I've never ever pre-ordered a book, I don't think. I used to get as a gift from my godparents the Harry Potter books pre-ordered from Amazon so they'd be on my door at my doorstep the special, day that they came special out. Special category. That was a special category and that was a gift. I don't think I've ever pre-ordered a book. And I pre-ordered multiple books this year. And these were the two books that kind of pushed me over the edge. So Red, White, and Royal Blue. I feel like everyone has read it except for me. Because I feel like everyone on the internet I see already has an ARC of it. And you applied for one and got rejected. I did get rejected, but that's because I hastily made a NetGalley account and never had one. And Truth. this is kind of in a high-demand book. True. Um, so I sucked it up and pre-ordered it, and I've stopped crying over the fact that I haven't gotten an ARC. Anyways, it got optioned. Amazon meaning, bought it. Meaning movie or TV. To make yeah. A mo- yeah. Okay. And apparently, like... In the article, I know they tried to make it sound good, probably, but there was like it was like Paramount and Disney, and there was uh-huh. like a couple, maybe not Disney because it's gay, but there was a couple other like serious uh, producing houses yeah. that were interested in it and got options. So I'm really happy for the um, for the author because she seems really cool. I kind of want to be her friend, uh-huh. um, and I'm really excited about it. And I'm, I was getting a little afraid it was overhyped, and then Elizabeth, friend of the show, former guest of the show, tough critic. Tough critic, generally, and a critic I usually agree with, read it and adored it and said, I'm going to love it. Got the seal of approval. So, 
I'm really excited about it, and now I've got optioned. Okay. So, happy about that. All right. Thanks for listening to our rants. Thanks for, uh, sorry for the anger, and thanks for keeping up with it. Anger is a gift. If you agree or disagree with me, for sure let me know. Um, my Twitter is at, is at Heather324. Troller all day long, folks. Our uh, podcast Twitter is at DDGetDown. Yep. Or you can always find me at BookDigits on Instagram. Yep. And you can find sexy book picks. Bennett, no, nowhere because he just quits social floating, media. Just floating. Just looks at lots of head, headlines and never clicks them. <laughs> uh, but stay safe. Okay, love you. Thanks for listening, and Bye. see you next time.